This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday, October 22nd. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's what we're watching today. The scene in Georgia during the first week of the trial for Ahmaud Aubrey's murder. Plus, a thrifting renaissance courtesy of Gen Z. But first, today's one big thing. The House holds Steve Bannon in contempt of Congress. It's Friday when we usually talk about the week in politics, which this week has included the House voting to hold Steve Bannon in contempt of Congress, Attorney General Merrick Garland's first testimony before the Judicial Committee, and President Biden trying to promote his economic agenda to the American people. Axios Politics Editor Glenn Johnson's got thoughts about all of it. Hey, Glenn. Hi, Nella. Let's start with the January 6th Select Committee investigating the Capitol riot. Yesterday, the House of Representatives voted to hold Steve Bannon in contempt of Congress after he defied a subpoena, refusing to give documents or testimony to the committee. Glenn, what happens now? He's making a claim of executive privilege. Uh, Donald Trump has urged everybody who's been subpoenaed to not cooperate. He's filed his own legal action trying to prevent the turnover of records. But Joe Biden has said there's no claim of privilege here. And the committee is not seeking Steve Bannon for anything related to the time that he worked for Donald Trump in office. He was on the air the day before the insurrection telling people, advertising in a sense, that there was a lot to be uh, seen the next day. So it, it indicated that there was some foresight or foreknowledge about what was going on. The House, in and of itself, has now taken the most serious action it can to try and enforce and compel testimony and to try and empower its subpoenas. So regardless of what happens from here, the House is on the record that people that don't comply with its actions will face some sort of sanction. Yesterday was a busy day in the House of Representatives with U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland testifying for the first time. What was noteworthy about that? You had all this political energy in the Capitol and in the hearing rooms related to the January 6th insurrection. And then you had in walk this very sober, you know, would-be Supreme Court Justice Merrick Garland and in the most even-handed tone insists that he's not going to let the Department of Justice be politicized and really didn't take the bait as people tried to feel him out for how engaged he and his department would be in some of the political fights of the day. Let's turn to President Biden for a moment. He's been trying to sell his economic agenda this week with speeches in Scranton and D.C. and then a town hall in Baltimore last night. What's his message been? His message is that he finally has a message here. So much of what's been going on has been around the numbers. What's the top line figure for this whole bill? The players, whether Kirsten Cinema or Joe Manchin on board, to the point that he has a bill, the elements of which are very popular among American voters when you look at polls, but they haven't been talked about. And so he had a chance to speak directly to the American people and start to talk about 
the healthcare parts of it, the childcare parts of it, the things that will help women get back to work amid the coronavirus uh, pandemic, things that people say they want in terms of government support now, but haven't really been discussed to the degree to which uh, this bill is going to cost $3.5 trillion or $2.2 trillion or $1.5 trillion. That's really overshadowed uh, the contents of the legislation. Glenn Johnson is an Axios Politics editor. Thanks, Glenn. You're welcome. In 15 seconds, outside the Georgia courthouse where three men are on trial for the murder of Ahmaud Aubrey. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. It's been almost two years since Ahmaud Aubrey was killed while out jogging in Brunswick, Georgia. The way we lost him, everything changed. Our life would never be the same. Even if we get justice, it's not going to ever be the same. That's Ruby Aubrey, Ahmaud Aubrey's aunt. She spoke with Axios Atlanta reporter Emma Hurt outside the Glynn County Courthouse during the first week of the state trial of the three white men accused of murdering the 25-year-old black man. Emma says the small town of Brunswick, Georgia, is full of people who've come from all over the country to be here for this first week. They're staying in hotels around the area. There's a tent with local clergy who are here who are just taking turns sitting here in case anybody needs prayer. The trial is currently set to go till November 19th, but it's taking a really long time to find potential jurors to qualify because this is a small community. We'll see whether that trial deadline remains relevant. Poll reports from inside the courtroom yesterday noted the defendant's lawyers are worried the signs, banners, and rallies in front of the courthouse could influence potential jurors as they travel in and out of the building. 1,000 potential jurors were summoned for this trial, and many are expecting it will take weeks to find an impartial jury in the small coastal Georgia city. For now, Ruby and her family aren't alone. One group, the Good Trouble Voting Rights Institute, organized buses, hotel rooms, and meals for about 100 people from around the country to come to Georgia. Lynn Whitfield is a Florida attorney and director of the organizing group. She says after watching the trial over the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, she's more optimistic than others about seating a jury in Georgia. That George Floyd um, video was everywhere all the time. So if they were able to find an impartial jury there, I think they'll find one here in Brunswick. No matter how long it takes and who sticks around, Ruby says she's planning to be at the courthouse every day of the trial. I know justice is going to be served. I don't doubt that at all. Thanks to Axios Atlanta reporter Emma Hurd. Gen Z shoppers are driving a new trend towards thrifting as they buy more of their clothes vintage and used instead of new. So much so that Axios's Erica Pandy reports the secondhand market is growing at 11 times the rate of the broader retail clothing industry. Erica, this seems like a substantial trend. 
That's right, Nyla. The secondhand market is growing quite fast. It was at $36 billion in 2021. It's projected to reach $77 billion by 2025, according to a report from the retail analytics firm Global Data and the online thrift store ThreadUp. But what's really interesting is that it's growing at a rate 11 times faster than the broader clothing sector. And that's because Gen Z has really been taken by thrifting. It's becoming a social activity. Young people are going together to thrift stores for the thrill of the hunt to find something cool, find something eclectic. And it's become a social media activity. They're posting about it on Instagram, on TikTok. They're even thrifting for more than just themselves and, and selling what they're finding on secondhand sale platforms. This is a really awesome trend because... The apparel and footwear sector account for 10% of climate change. So a new interest in thrifting and buying secondhand is really great for our planet. Erica Pandy is a business reporter for Axios. Before we go... The Axios COVID map has some good news heading into your weekend. The U.S. is averaging about 79,000 new cases each day. That's, of course, still far too many, but down 22 percent over the last two weeks. And the hope is when vaccines for kids age 5 to 11 get approved, likely in the coming weeks, the rates will fall even more. But as our own Sam Baker has told us, with lots of indoor holiday gatherings on the horizon, it's hard to say what winter will have in store. So keep being safe out there. That's it for us this week. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Alexandra Boti, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, Sabina Singani, David Toledo, and Lydia McMullen-Laird. Our sound engineers are Alex Sugiyara and Michael Hamp. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer. Sarah Kehlani Gu is our editor-in-chief. And special thanks to Axios co-founder Mike Allen. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and have the best weekend. Sometimes we like to tell you about other podcasts, like Today Explained, a daily news podcast from Vox. Every day, the team picks one essential news story, and host Sean ramos Furum speaks with some of the world's best journalists, academics, and policymakers to help us make sense of it. You can listen and follow Today Explained in your favorite podcast app.